You're listening to Commute, the podcast. Congratulations, you'll be smarter when you get there. What up? Welcome into Commute, the podcast. I'm Dave. And I'm Jay. And we are about to take you on a deep dive on three topics that we find interesting, and we're betting that you might just find them interesting, too. We can promise you this, you'll be smarter when you get there. On this edition of Commute, there are records for the world's longest movie and the world's shortest movie, but what about the world's tiniest movie? We'll go under the microscope. When it comes to the Microsoft Office Suite, there's the user-friendly Microsoft Word, the very useful PowerPoint, and then there's Excel. If you're good at Excel, no one knows about it or probably cares very much, or at least it used to be that way. Although a lot of us use whistling for quick communication or to create a tune, most of the time we don't give it a passing thought past that. But in fact, whistling has a long and fascinating history and is much more than just a way to make music. It sounds like a like you've I been smoking some cigarettes before you did that. I'll say it's it just in case. <laughs> All of that on this edition of Commute. Let's get it. So Dave, uh, in the world of social media, we know a lot of the content that you see is driven by algorithms. So, for example, you like a post about football and all of a sudden you're seeing posts about football. But sometimes this can lead us to some whirlpools that we might get caught in in the algorithm. So I know for me, for example, a few years ago, I watched a couple videos for about 15 minutes of people making tiny food, okay? And it's exactly what it sounds like. Tiny <laughs> fire, tiny frying pan, little piece of meat, like little pasta. Like You watch it, this yeah, stuff? It, I mean, how could I turn away? It was. A, I only watched it for about 10 or 15 minutes because I was just captivated by it. And so they're oh, making these teeny, tiny little dishes, full dishes, all right? But they're teeny, tiny. And so from then on out, though, for like at least a year, like the re- the social media was just convinced that I wanted to keep watching it. So every time I would get like a sponsored post or like I'd click on you may like this content. It was like, oh, you want more of this, don't you? You want more tiny food? We know you'll eat this up. Like it's just like shoving it in my face. So have you ever gotten caught up in a, an algorithm uh, stream before that you didn't necessarily want to be in? I'm rarely speechless. I don't really even know who you are anymore. I'm I'm going to send you um, one tonight and you'll get it. You're not going to get it until you see it. <laughs> well, re- recently, for some reason, I've been in this weird Taylor Swift algorithm. Uh, she's on tour right now and I watched like one video of her performing and now I get flooded. With, it's constant. And it'll be like, Taylor Swift did this secret thing. Taylor Swift wore this shirt. I mean, it's, it's, that's all I see is Taylor Swift content. Yeah, it reminds me of like when you meet somebody who's like a little much that you don't know super well, and then you tell them that you like one thing, and that's all they talk about every time they see you. Like, that's the <laughs> algorithm. It's annoying at some point. Well, Dave, today we're going to be talking about the world's tiniest movie. And yes, you heard that right. The movie's so small, you can't even see it with your naked eye. So what is the world's tiniest movie? Well, it's a short film created by scientists at IBM using a technique called stop-motion animation. But here's the catch, Dave. The movie is made up of individual frames that are only a few nanometers in size, which is smaller than a single cell. 
The movie called A Boy and His Adam was made in 2013 by a team of researchers led by IBM scientist Andreas Heinrich. In the movie, you see a tiny boy made up of individual atoms who plays with a single atom that's been transformed into a ball. The movie runs for just under two minutes, but contains over 200 individual frames. And yes, you can watch it on YouTube if you're interested. So why did the researchers at IBM decide to make such a tiny movie? Well, it was actually a bit of a publicity stunt. They wanted to demonstrate their ability to manipulate individual atoms and molecules, which is a technique that's becoming increasingly important in the field of nanotechnology. But the world's tiniest movie also has a deeper significance. It's a reminder on some level of just how far we've come in our ability to manipulate and understand matter at an atomic scale. It's also a testament to the creativity and ingenuity of scientists who are constantly pushing the boundaries of what's possible. The making of the movie was a complex and time-consuming process. First, the researchers used a microscope to carefully move individual carbon monoxide molecules around on a copper surface. They did this using a special kind of instrument called a scanning tunneling microscope, which allows them to see and manipulate individual atoms. Once the atoms were in place, the researchers took high-resolution images of them using the same microscope. These images were then compiled into a series of frames, which were then edited together to create the final movie. The result is a stunning achievement of science and art. The movie is not only visually interesting, but it's also kind of emotional. Like, I was getting, like, weirdly emotional watching it for some reason. Uh, the tiny boy in the movie just kind of manages to convey the sense of joy and wonder, even though he's made up of just the handful of atoms, which is kind of what makes it interesting in the first place. The world's tiniest movie has captured the public's imagination since it was first released. It's been featured in news stories around the world and has won several awards for its creative and technical achievement. But perhaps, Dave, what's most endearing about this movie is its sense of playfulness. Watching a tiny boy play with a single atom is a reminder that science doesn't always have to be serious or intimidating. It can be kind of fun and interesting. And in a world where we're constantly bombarded with news about the latest technological breakthroughs, the world's tiniest movie is a reminder that science can be beautiful, too. It's a testament to the power of human curiosity and creativity and a celebration of the endless possibilities of the world around us. So I was listening, I promise, but I I was also watching somebody make a tiny cake. Not bad. <laughs> yeah, okay, so be careful about watching it on social media because you'll get into what I got into. I'm probably not going to watch it. I, mean, I might watch one more. Okay, Don't knock it. Tons. Don't knock it till you try it. Don't knock it till you watch them bake like a tiny lasagna or something. Ooh, here's tiny McDonald's. They got little fries. <laughs> Jay, in a world that features the metaverse and people buying digital recreations of pictures called NFTs, some weird things pass as art. But the other day, I saw maybe the strangest art piece yet. A 100% one-of-a-kind image created completely by using Microsoft Excel. Jay, when it comes to Excel, and you might not even really use it, do you find yourself in the love it camp? Or are you in the hate it, borderline scared of it camp like me? Yeah, I'm a little intimidated by it, to be honest. I mean, I don't really have to use it that extensively, so I've never really had to play around with it before. So anytime I ha have had to use it, it's been like really like frustrating because you're like, you don't know any of the codes and you don't know 
any of like the secret hacks, which like people know who use it a lot, yeah. then I don't have to use it for like four more years. So it doesn't really matter. I'm in my mid thirties and have had professional jobs now for a long time. And I've probably only been asked to use it three times and all three times I've passed it off to someone else. <laughs> uh, it's just, it's horrible. It's just, it's so easy to mess up. You think you know what you're doing. Then all of a sudden things just go way off the rails and people really do fall onto one of those sides. Either they love it or they hate it. Microsoft excelled the basic yet powerful software used to create spreadsheets and presentations that appear during corporate budget reports can either be your best work friend or like we said, a nightmare. If you know how to use it, it can manipulate data in a way that you just can't do with anything else. If you don't, even a small change in a number can destroy an entire document. But Jay, the select people who are good with Excel, even great with Excel, outside of the office have always been kind of unsung heroes. A Superman outfit under their khakis and colored shirt without a way to ever show the outside world what they're capable of. Or at least that was the case, until it all changed in the fall of 2021. Because you see, Jay, in late 2021, the Financial Modeling World Cup Open, or in simpler terms, the World Championship of Excel use, was born. Now every year from November to December, thousands of Excel experts pay $50 and are entered into a massive competition. In the first round, competitors are given 30 minutes to complete a complicated modeling task using only Excel and its spreadsheet capabilities. The 128 Excelites, instead of athletes, get it, with the highest scores advanced to the big show, aka a real-time live-streamed face-off against another opponent in a single elimination tournament. Jay, after four days of grueling competition, the tournament reaches its main event a two-and-a-half-hour final showdown featuring eight of the greatest pencil pushers in the entire world. The rules at this point, uh, I hope you're sitting down. I can see you, but I hope you're sitting down uh, because they get nuts. (laughs) Competitors, at least last year, were asked to, and I quote, create a ride-sharing company. That's it. And the map provided to the participants included a lot of icons of cars and buildings with no numbers. They also get asked a series of questions. Each question they get right gives them more overall points. At the end of the first 40 minutes, if you have more points than your opponent, you advance to the final four. When it then gets down to two, well, the 2021 task was titled Knights and Warriors. In Excel, the two finalists had to model possible outcomes between two armies under various scenarios. And Jay, here's the thing. People watch this. The finale actually airs on ESPN3. (laughs) The Atlantic recapped the drama last year, a finale between Brittany Deaton and returning champion Australia's Andrew Nagai. Now, I used to be a sports broadcaster. I'll try to channel it here for the drama that unfolded in the final moments. All right. Per the Atlantic. As the clock approached one minute, Deaton submitted a batch of correct answers and shot up to 610 points. Seconds later, Nagai leapt to 603. Then Deaton accidentally changed several correct answers and dropped to 566, ceding the lead to Nagai, who promptly began hemorrhaging points himself. 592, 581, 570. Fans were losing their minds. Undo, one commentator said. 
Control-Z! They both did, and suddenly we were right back to Deaton 610, Nagai 603. Ava Maria! cried another commentator. Ava Maria, indeed! Still behind with five seconds left, Nagai went for the Hail Mary, entering what he would later admit was a random guess, and miraculously guessing right, a buzzer beater! Nagai 615, Deaton 610. (laughs) And Jay, the good news is, if you or any of our listeners think they are in fact up to the task, of beating Andrew DeGuy and becoming the next Excel master, the 2023 registration window for the World Cup is open right now. And believe it or not, early bird pricing is still in effect. A very affordable $35. (laughs) So Dave, when it comes to whistling, it's something I never really got down very well. Um, I was a kid who kind of like sucked air into whistle instead of blowing it out to whistle and then just never corrected it. So, you know, as an adult, I feel like it's too late for me to learn how to whistle. Are you kind of in a similar boat or do you uh, think that you're a pretty good whistler? I'm a decent whistler. It's just not very loud. I, I never learned how to do that thing where you put your, your fingers in your mouth and whistle really loud like you're trying to get some kids to come in for dinner, like you live out on a farm. It's got to be like a YouTube tutorial or something. It has to be. This is my max volume. It's too, it's too airy. You yeah, know? it sounds like the, it sounds like a draft, like coming through the house or like the old <laughs> home or something. Or it's like you're missing a tooth and you're breathing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, Dave, uh, whistling is a lot more than just a way to sing a song. I mean, for centuries across the world, whistling has been used as a language in various cultures. In some places, it was used to communicate over long distances, especially in areas with rugged terrain, where traditional forms of communication like shouting or yelling wouldn't work. In others, it was used as a secret code between members of a group or community. But one of the most compelling examples of whistling as a language to me comes from the Canary Islands, where a unique whistling language called Cibo Gomero has been used for centuries. Cibo Gomero was developed by the indigenous Gonches people as a way to communicate over long distances, and Dave, it's still in use today. Siobo Gomero is a highly complex language with different whistles representing different words or phrases. For example, a simple two-note whistle might mean come here, while a longer, more complex sequence of notes might convey a message like the goats are in the field. Because the language is so complex, it takes years of practice to become fluent in it. So how does Siobo Gomero actually work? The language is based on a system of two different pitches, high and low, which are used to represent different consonants and vowels. By combining these pitches in different ways, speakers can create a wide variety of words and phrases. The language is also highly context-dependent. In other words, the meaning of a particular whistle can vary depending on the situation and the other whistles that come before and after it. This makes it a highly flexible and nuanced language capable of conveying a wide variety of messages. But despite its complexity, Cibo Gomero has been in danger of dying out in recent years. As communication technology has advanced, people have become more reliant on things like cell phones and radios to stay connected over long distances. But in recent years, efforts have been made to preserve the language and try to teach it to a new generation to preserve the culture. Whistling also has a number of other benefits too, Dave, beyond its use as a language. For example, some studies have actually shown that whistling can help reduce stress and anxiety, improve lung function, and even boost your cognitive function. 
So the next time, Dave, you find yourself whistling a tune, remember that you're participating not only in a centuries-old tradition that has been used for everything from communication to relaxation, but who knows, you may even be inspired to learn a new whistling language like Seabull Gomero and communicate with people in a whole new way. So just like with Excel, when you said you know human beings are, are capable of doing some, I, 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 I'm paraphrasing here, learning some dumb skills, you got to throw Sean Lomax into that discussion. So Sean Lomax, uh, you may not have heard of him, but he is uh, considered to be the world's greatest whistler. So he was a three-time winner at the International Whistlers Convention. (laughs) Actually so good at whistling, he quit his day job in 2005 to join and tour with Cirque du Soleil. So uh, Mr. Lomax, he's actually been described as part bird, part angel. Uh, I feel like you're just like spinning a narrative. Like this isn't even real. Like at the end, you're going to be like, yeah, I made all of it up. Wasn't that funny? No, no. And he actually has albums. He, in 2004, released released the jazz album, Whistling This Christmas. So just to be clear, like, this is real. Yes, and actually I was wrong. He's part bird, part angel, and part violin (laughs) is how he's been described. Uh, That's the American dream right there. Be able to quit your day job to just be a professional whistler. The whistling convention. Give me a break. How annoying would it be to have to... To have to go to the whistling convention, <laughs> just like he also people constantly he lost, whistling all the time, like as loud he, as possible. He lost. He would have been a four-time champion, but he lost one year because he did uh, Beethoven's Fifth Symphony, and he went too long. So I'm sure it was incredible. Probably moved most of the the judges to, to tears, but he went over the time limits. So yeah. Lost. Well, you know, can't win them all. You gotta you gotta make some room for the next generation of professional whistlers. And that's it. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to rate, subscribe, and review Commute on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or on your favorite podcast network. We're on social. Check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And you can always say what up at our website, commutethepodcast.com. Music for Commute is provided by my main man, Jason Sammons. For Jay Sisson, I'm Dave Trapp. We'll see you next week. So you say you can't whistle, but let me hear you try to whistle. So it's kind of loud, but I'm not. I'm not blowing the air out though, which is like yeah, you do look really weird doing that. So you're you're sucking air yeah. in. So you know I'm making like, but if I try to blow air out, it just the sound never comes out. It's just it's just like air. You got some weird issues. You're watching people cook tiny food. You're sucking <laughs> it into whistle. I, I know I you're mean, trying to shame me about the tiny food, but I'm telling you, <laughs> if you just spent like just a second. You'd be, you'd be like, you'd be like, where did forty-five minutes just go? Sean Lomax would, you'd make him sick <laughs> whistling the way you do.